0: Nomad Nomad. Nomad. Podcast. Welcome to Nomad Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Tierney. And today we're talking with Eddie Contento. Uh, I traveled with Eddie for a year. He was in my group on a remote year. Uh, We were the Darians. And Eddie is a master visual storyteller. He's a he's a very talented videographer. Uh, we're gonna see some of his work uh, in this interview. And he was a part of a digital agency called Chop Dog. He did client work while on Remote Year. He's now in a life transition moving out of the client work consulting business uh, to pursue his art exclusively. Uh, So with Eddie, uh, this is a wide-ranging conversation. We go through high points, low points of the year, uh, how and why to document your journey effectively, uh, the importance of keeping in touch with friends back home, uh, a technique that he uses for establishing accountability uh, in, in terms of making progress on personal and professional goals, Um, how he stays disciplined work-wise on the road, avoids distraction and stays focused, Um, what it was like meeting the love of his life. Eddie met a a girl that he's still with and uh, that was transformative for him. Uh, And the pursuit of what he calls just enough discomfort uh, to keep in that optimally creative zone. Uh, So talk about a ton of things in this. Uh, There's a bunch of stuff I didn't list, but this is a packed interview. Um, If I had to nominate one person in our group who had the most professional and personal growth, it would be Eddie. So uh, really excited to share this conversation with you. Um, And yeah, without further ado, here is my interview with Eddie. Nomad Podcast is supported in part by Nomad Prep, an online academy that teaches you everything you need to know to take your job on the road and crush it abroad enroll today at nomadprep.com slash podcast and get your first four days of training completely free. Nomad Prep, take your job on the road and take on the world. All right, Eddie, welcome to episode three. You are the third guest on the Nomad Podcast.
1: Happy to be here. (laughs) Sorry, I can't be that person.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I know. We were going to do this interview while you were here in Lisbon and then just like go into the sound booth around the corner and
1: (laughs) yeah I thought that's what you do with Trevor then I realized that the phone was different different pattern. so you guys weren't actually together I was like are they sitting next to each other (laughs) yeah
0: nope he was in Bali um all right well so this is a tough one I don't even know where to start because like we traveled for a year together so obviously we have a lot of uh you know history and context um I just figured let's start with like what were you doing so you did remote year we were in the same group Darian um, like context for the people that don't know, like I said in one of my videos, Eddie was like everyone's little brother. Like that's kind yeah. of, I, I think that's my quarterback video, but, uh, it, no, really like I mean myself included, I just felt like you were like a brother. So, um, but let's, let's, let's roll back prior to remote year. So tell me what were the circumstances that led up to you doing remote year?
1: Yes. So I had been, I basically worked remotely my entire working career. I started an agency when I was 18 with a few friends and it grew pretty quickly. And I never really, I, I did like, I had like a three month stint working in Cirrus just to make some extra money, but we were trying to build a product. But that's like the only real experience I have not working or yeah, not working location independent. So um, I would always just work for my parents' place because I was like 18, 19. Like I didn't really have any experience anywhere else. I didn't really have any like definitive plans to go anywhere or my, my whole focus was from like 18 to 22 was just work on the business and be close to my, my team. And I think in the beginning it definitely was necessary. And then we started to grow up and then I started to question things like, why am I working for my mom's couch when I could be literally doing this from anywhere? I started to make a little bit of money and save some money and I I really wanted to explore that. Um, I was, I was dating a girl at the time who coincidentally and not coincidentally also got a remote job. Um, so we were like, let's just travel the States or just travel and work. And we started this little thing called Vagabond Voyage, which is such a stupid name, but such a great like idea. Um, and this was, I actually was unaware of this culture of remote workers. It, It just seemed like common sense to me that I would do this from anywhere else. And I didn't know that there was this like subset of of, of employees or, or of entrepreneurs that do this all the time so when i started researching about different things like um you know different items i would need traveling and working and different ways to find you know solid wi-fi or like places i could sleep for free or in the car or whatever like i started finding out all of these other uh these other things about digital nomadism and then i guess facebook took note of that and google they started serving me ads for things and. Uh, so along the way, um, I kind of fell in love with the, the month-to-month lifestyle. And I fell in love with the people that you meet and the places you get to see while you're working and doing your thing. And I really wanted to continue doing it for as long as possible. And then so towards the end of my four months traveling with my ex-girlfriend, um, where we were going through this like tension period of like, I wanted to keep traveling and she wanted to kind of post up somewhere. I got served this ad for, for remote year on Facebook and I was like, wow, this is perfect timing. And that led me to doing some research and, and saying, fuck it, and just going for it. And that was that was really the start of everything, was that that ad. And props to remote year for targeting. I mean, I was I was in the tech community pretty heavily and I was and I'm like in the demographic. It's actually not that surprising that they found me. I mean, I was in the right place and and it worked out for the for me.
0: And this is the the infamous ad with the suitcase and the diving on the bed. Oh, yeah. yeah.
1: And I didn't actually see the video. I just saw the thumbnail and saw the headline and was like – and the funny thing is I didn't read it as we'll pay you to travel. I read it as travel with us while you work, which is, in the beginning, a lot of what they struggled with with the language and a lot of where those applications came from. was like, what's the job? What am I doing for remote here? But I read it as do your job and do it while you travel with people. And I was like, that sounds exactly like what I want to do. Let me find out what this is about. So I did that. And it was a fantastic decision. The best decision I think I've ever made to this point.
0: That seems to be a theme with the people I talk to. When you when you boil it all down, it's like it really was like the one decision that was a complete crossroads for a lot of people. And yeah, I mean
2: Yeah, you need
1: that so like kinda like what Trevor was saying in the episode that you did with him, he there it needed to be there. That was that catalyst to like get you to start. And Had it not been remote year for me, it probably would have been something else. I think I was getting to, I was reaching an apex where I needed to make a decision to do something to change my life. I didn't know what that was going to be. For me, it was remote year, and for a lot of people, it may be following a vlogger or meeting a friend who travels and works. Like I've, I've encouraged so many of my friends who just had like nine to fives or worked in offices to reconsider, and it's just becoming. Like the, it's just becoming more, there's more awareness around it now. And I think, um, remote year is definitely leading that space, but you know, it, it's a hive mind that is spreading, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, uh, well, we'll get into it later. Wi-Fi tribe, I was going to say, Philippa, like yeah. you're very connected to multiple spheres now in terms of the remote working stuff.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she's, she's working with Wi-Fi tribe They're They're growing really fast. Um, I, I have, I, I'm kind of connected to multiple communities, like you said, and I, I'm just learning about all the, how fast this is spreading. It's spreading so quickly and yeah. it's, I'm not surprising. I mean, the, the infrastructure in a lot of places is changing and encouraging this kind of lifestyle to, and, and, and really making it possible. And I mean, that, that is fantastic to me. I, I wouldn't want to live any other way.
0: Yeah ditto. Well, my next question for you was going to be, would you do it again? But I think that's a pretty obvious, I'm not saying like, would you do it again now? But did you make the right decision? It sounds like a is a resound. Yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I, and i am continued to do it. I think I'm one of a handful of people in our, in Darien that continued traveling consistency, consistency, consistently after it ended. And I, I did get to a point where I was kind of exhausted and needed, uh, needed to settle in and not be distracted. So I went back to New Jersey for a little while and just kind of like kept my head down and worked and that had a lot of other factors involved but i would absolutely do it again i do participate in the remote your citizens program i have traveled with other with wi-fi tribe i do want to continue being a part of this community and it's such it's actually a pretty small community like people that i know that know other people that i know but don't know each other like there's all these little connections and like oh yeah i hung out with that person in that part of the world like that to me is really cool and this this it is a growing community, but, like, it still feels very intimate at the same time.
0: Yeah. What – okay, so there's a question. Like, how did it – you had a perception of it when you're going into it and you thought it was going to be one way, and then it was presumably not exactly what you expected. How was it different than what you anticipated it being?
1: I When I started Darian, my, my honest-to-God first thought was – I'm just going to have steady Wi-Fi and be in different places. I didn't anticipate the community being as powerful as it was to me. And that was the thing that really changed my life was that community. And like, in hindsight, that seems so obvious. It's like, obviously, obviously community is important. And I've learned, I've learned so much over the last two years about how much I rely on the community, how much I thrive in the community and how much I need to be a part of that. But individually, you know what I mean? Um, what you guys all brought to Darian is what made Darian special and what you brought to Darian is what made me feel comfortable in the lifestyle and I wouldn't do it. I probably wouldn't travel solo. I mean, I have, I have traveled solo in the last year after Darian ended. It's not the same. And I definitely appreciate what we had as a group while we were traveling together. And I would 100% do that again. And I, I miss that. I miss that every day that I'm not traveling with you guys.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, 100% agree. To me, the community uh, was one of the most underestimated aspects of it. Like, I looked at it as a way to solve the logistical problems of like needing, like, wanting to be able to travel around and not have to like book hotels and all that
1: stuff. that's, That's the thing that blew my mind after being in it for just one week not understanding like how they couldn't make that the selling point. Like, why isn't this the main point of sell sales for you guys? Why isn't this the main point of marketing? Why isn't th- like, who cares about the logistics? I could do that by myself. Like Trevor was saying, I could do all of that stuff. I'm totally capable or have a VA do all my travel itineraries and booking for me or something like that. But you don't get the community in other, in other areas. It's the same reason people go to grad school or people join fraternities and sororities and join like, cults and clubs and stuff <laughs> which is not far off from i'm not gonna lie like there's definitely the there's definitely some aspects of that but it is it's a community and that's the most important thing And i don't know why I, they're doing a much better job of communicating that now but in the beginning i was like how did i not see this coming
0: <laughs> i want to here i was going to save this for later but actually this is good timing i want to play a clip uh, Let me see if i can share my screen here oh yeah i guess you can share your screen uh, how do we do this here oops Hold on. I may have to unplug this. Let's do this.
1: Because I'm not using headphones.
0: Yeah, I know. You're clear. Let me share the screen. Kind of doing this ad hoc. but Okay, so this is for the people watching that don't know Eddie's stuff. He is a master storyteller. This is two minutes from one of his videos. Uh, This was filmed at the end well, I don't know, you filmed this over the course of the year and then played this, the, like, the very last night we all went out.
1: Tonight. Yeah, I'll talk about the backstory of this video after.
0: Okay.
2: I always struggle to articulate how important it is to travel. Conversations with friends and family back home often come off as self-righteous or insensitive. when in fact, it's the opposite. Traveling offers you a perspective that simply cannot be described. I'm not talking about 10 days at an all-inclusive resort or even a month in a city that you love. I'm talking about extended, undefined, unfamiliar, adventure-seeking, exhausting traveling. Where places become visceral memories and not just points beneath the laminate. Where spontaneity and naivety are welcome traits and serendipity becomes a recurring theme. For 12 months, I spoke of these lessons and I preached about how imperative it is that everyone sell their shit and see the world. But it wasn't until I sat down to write these final words to you that something occurred to me. It's not about traveling at all. It's about uncertainty. It's about uprooting, starting fresh. It's about liberation. It's about embracing the unknown. Whether we were aware of it or not, it's about the pursuit of discomfort because it's that discomfort that results in an emotional vulnerability and it's that vulnerability that forces us to open up to face our fears and to grow A the constant theme of this year has been opening up to you to new cultures new ideas new experiences to my purpose my why it has been about growing up. In
1: 12 months, I've seen 21 cities yeah, across.
0: 40- there, tacos, tacos, tacos. yeah, um,
1: it's, it's crazy. I don't really, I don't really watch that video that often, but I, you know, that
0: that, that video to me, it still gives me goosebumps, and I will never forget. Um, you you turned the camera on the crowd that was watching the video when that happened, and I just thought, like that video of us watching the video was. That this is something is that I'm
1: so happy that I have because I like how how often am I ever going to get a chance in my life to to see how something I made impacts people live right and like it was such a horribly lit like terrible video but to see you guys react to, to watching your lives unfold over the course of a year in about five minutes was and like I knew I knew literally from the week before I left for remote year when I had recorded the first vlog, what I was going to do, I just didn't know how it was going to play out or how it was how the story was going to unfold. Or I didn't even know if I would make it through the whole year before I left. And um, I just had this vision in my head of this. I had this vision in my head from the week before we left of that moment where I had the camera on you guys uh, from the very beginning. And I kind of knew throughout the year, it was going to be hard People were going to be frustrated with me. I was with my camera. There was going to be a lot of like struggle with editing for me because I'm like so slow at it. Um, and it didn't matter because it ultimately came to fruition in that last couple days. Like I remember, I last like,
0: minutes. You were you were me. working
1: on that. <laughs> I was working on it on the bus on the way to the dinner. I was working on it throughout the dinner while people yeah. were like eating and mingling and enjoying their last moments together. I was
2: like, uh,
1: I need to make this happen. Yeah, like I I struggled so hard to get that video together so I could watch you guys watch that back and it was so worth it. And the all the moments that are, that we have like that is the most documented year of my life and it is the most important year of my life and it and it just goes to show like what the what how important it is to document things, how important it is to uh look back at them and appreciate them and and it gives you uh it gives you an understanding of how much you've grown, you know? And I, in that, in the script, I say like, it's not about traveling at all because when I started writing the script in the last couple of months, I, I was working on, I had this like basic idea in my mind, like, yeah, traveling is very important. I'm going to tell people about how important it is to me, how much it changed my life. And in the two days before that um, video was done and before our, our farewell party, I realized like it has nothing to do with traveling. It has nothing to do with, Remote years, infrastructure. It has nothing to do with the places that I went to. It has everything to do with being with you guys for a year and being part of that community. And that was the most important thing to me. And that was the lesson that I learned the most. And being in that state of discomfort with a group of people that was experiencing it at the same time. That was the most important thing.
0: Well, you had said something in one of your interview, like so ask pre-interview questions to, you know, help craft some fodder. Uh, you said I feel most inspired with the right amount of discomfort what is the right? I mean, I love that phrase, but what is the right amount of discomfort where at what point are you just overwhelmed and it's, it's not productive anymore?
1: Well, so uh, there's a couple examples of, of both sides. So like being in New Jersey, not enough discomfort. Like I wasn't growing. I plateaued. I didn't have anything pushing me to to question myself or question my my trajectory uh, or the vector that I was on. Um, being in being on a remote year for the first month was kind of uncomfortable for me because that was my first time being part of a community like that. Cause I didn't go to college. I've never really been in a club of any sort. Um, that was my first experience being surrounded by people and being kind of on the same mission in a way. Uh, and that, that was a little uncomfortable for me, but for the best, for the best reasons. And then just being in places like, like Rabat, Morocco, where like, Physically, it's uncomfortable. Um, mentally, it's uncomfortable because the, the culture, culturally, it's so different. That pushed me to feel something, feel empathy for a, a group of people that I probably wouldn't have had that same experience with otherwise. And, and it pushed me to just have empathy for, for people in general, just more so. And that discomfort was really, really important. Um, too much discomfort is when I can't get my work done and there are things in my way uh, that, are, that are mentally uh, impairing me from completing the things that I want to complete or making the things that I want to make. And I, I only experienced that once or twice throughout the year and that was because of relationship things or because of like losing family members or, um, you know, th- it's, it's hard to be separated from the people you're close to when something like that happens and that's uncomfortable and that's not something that you really, that's not a, a, that's not a discomfort that you really want or really want to learn the lessons about, you know, that that kind of discomfort is, is a little bit too much, but um, just being in a state and like, I'm in a state right now, dude, where I'm so uncomfortable, but just at the like, the precipice of like, the right amount of discomfort, where I just decided to leave the agency that basically afforded me all these opportunities that I started when i was 18 uh to pursue a new direction in my career and to take on storytelling full time and i am so anxious and uncomfortable by that and because there's so many uncertainties behind making that decision and and what follows it that um i just I'm, <laughs> I'm kind of hoping that i'm right in that a little bit of discomfort will help promote growth and not just like i don't know make me regret it we'll see
0: yeah, I don't know. I, I, for what it's worth, when I look back, I, I I try to live by like have no regrets. And so I think if I, like if ever I approach a decision, I think the one of the most useful lenses I can use to evaluate it is what will I regret more? Like, will I regret not having tried this, or will I regret you know having tried it and, and made a mistake? And uh, I think I think you're doing the right thing for what it's that's, worth.
1: But that's so much easier said than done. Like, it's easy to say like don't you don't want to regret it. So try it. And if you, if you don't like it, then at least you won't have regret. But I mean, when, when there's so many factors involved, like relationships that I've built up for the last nine years, um, a lifestyle that I've become accustomed to an income level, I've become accustomed to, um, people that when I leave this agency, people in my, in the, in the other agency are kind of relying on me. And it's like my full-time thing now. And like, there's a, there's a lot involved in, in doing that and feeling that level of discomfort. Um, but I, I do agree. Like I, I did it. I made the decision to leave, and I made it final because I felt like I needed that, like back against the ropes, kind of pressure on me to to make the decisions to do the the work necessary to, to be successful in the new in the new venture.
0: Cool. Um, um, let's let's kind of change gears. Like so, we're talking about discomfort. Let's talk about um, high points. I mean, you met the love of your life on this program. Yeah, Filippo, right? I mean of, of all the various learning and growth and crossroads and incredible stuff. I mean, that seems like a pretty incredible thing. How yeah. was it, or how has it been? Is she still here in Lisbon? Is she with you? Where, where's she at right now?
1: She's in Bali right now. Um, she's, she's going to be there for a while. She's with the tribe doing her, her thing. Um, yeah. And she'll be continually traveling with them and I'll probably be popping in and out throughout the, you know, indefinitely while she's doing that. Yeah. Um, Yeah, that's that whole dynamic and that whole relationship. And this whole experience for me is is a a testament to putting yourself in a state of discomfort, because not only was I in a place that I'd never been before, but I was trying to push myself to meet people and to be friendly and to reach out and say, like, you know, I want to get to know you. And that, I mean, there's a lot of other things involved in my attraction to her, obviously, but, uh, sure. but that was like one of the things I was like, I have to pursue this. I, like, I can't be shy or afraid of things. I need to like make things happen, go for it. And it, that was incredible. And I would have never met her or, or pursued those things had I not been on remote year, had I not been traveling, and had I not been kind of forced to question everything about my beliefs in my life prior to remote year. So being in that state, I was very malleable, right? I was I was in a state of like, why do I do these things or feel this way? And love was one of those things that I was questioning at the moment where I met her. Um, and I felt like it was the right, it was the perfect timing because I needed to open up to those ideas. Again, I was very cynical and very closed off in a lot of ways. And being part of Darian and being part of the community and experiencing other people's relationships and, and the relationships that I was building, I was starting to question my cynicism. And that is something that... Is that is an incredible thing to to go through? Is to question your cynicism because, like, sometimes you you get that and you don't know where it comes from or you have never really thought about it. And when I started to think about it, I started to wonder like, why do I need to feel this way about a certain a certain thing? And
0: what did you was there anything in particular that prompted you to that, or did you just kind of arrive at that on your own? Uh, Well,
1: mostly. So when we started hanging out, she, she and I started walking around Lisbon, just like randomly walking around every so often. We spent like one or two days just straight up walking and talking. And that those questions started to pop up into my head while we were talking. They were just really, really deep, meaningful conversations to me. And I ha- have to say, you know, thank you to her over and over for, for making me question those things, but also at the same time, just because my life was in such a shakeup at the, like I was living in a completely different part of the world, doing a completely different thing every day, uh, hanging out with a bunch of essential strangers that I'd only known for a few months. Like I was all already in a constant state of just questioning the norm. And that those two things together kind of forced me to reconsider my positions on certain things. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yeah. All right. Um, so, some other questions I have for you, like, how did you stay disciplined on a remote year? Like, you, there's a lot of opportunity to go off the rails and get distracted, and you know, but you seem to like stay pretty productive throughout the whole year. What, with any like tips or rituals or anything you use to keep focused the whole time? Um,
1: talking to people uh, is one of the most important things. And Lawrence and I, Lawrence is a who was who traveled with us for half the year. Um, he, he and I started this accountability thing in November. Where we just meet up on Zoom twice a week and we discuss goals, short term uh, for the week and for the month, and like long term goals and big picture stuff. And I had always kind of done some variation of that with people in our group, whether it was formal or informal, and voicing my goals, which I did way too often. I like I'm a pro- I'm a perpetual or uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, I'm just I'm an overshare is what I am, and. Um, I I would always share the things that I wanted to make or do with people, and then I felt kind of obligated to do it. And if it came down to it, if I was given the choice, and this is just something in my personality, I guess, but if it came down to it, if I was given the choice between a social event or a project that I was working on, I would usually pick the project, and I would usually be the one in the workspace on a Saturday night until 3 a.m. And that's just how I am. That's just where I get enjoyment out of making the things that I want to make. And um, I I think part of the... I mean, a huge part of being productive is having the right environment and, and the workspaces were, were fantastic working environments. Uh, being able to go there at any hour, being able to work whenever I wanted on, on my own terms. I love that. And I like being surrounded by other people who are also motivated and productive.
0: That was yeah. a huge Yeah, you mentioned, I uh, forget where it was now, but something about being like elevated, you know, having the yeah. people around you that elevated you to, to perform better. I don't really like saying it
1: this way when I, but here in South Jersey where I was living for every like day up until I left um, to travel in 2015 uh, there are, there's a, it's like a tier that I was kind of at the top of, I think in terms of productivity in my age group, in my social circle. And I was always the one like motivating people. I felt, I felt locally and it just, my, my network didn't expand very far outside of like the Philadelphia area. Right. And even in Philadelphia, it was very, very small. Um, And then to be thrown into a group of so many different people, such a diverse group of people at different success levels, like people that were like millionaires and people that like had successful businesses and were starting their next ones or people that were like, like number one employees in their companies, like to be thrown in the mix there, I had no choice but to rise to like their level and to, through the conversations, through the questions I was asking, Uh, to understand what the possibilities were and not just understand it, but like feel it, feel like where I belonged. And, And that is what pushed me and motivated me to work harder and to do more in terms of my own craft, in terms of my own creations
0: do you think you would have gotten there let's just pretend like let's let's take a split in reality and say you hadn't you know seen that facebook ad and hadn't done remote year do you think you would have arrived at that same level of growth on your own or is it something that the circumstances of remote year helped
1: i think i was heading in that direction just by leaving new jersey originally i even along the like little road trip that I did, I was starting to meet people and, and I was really enjoying like connecting to new creatives and I, I was getting there. It may not have like, I think remote, Year just ex, like expedited that process and just threw me into the mix with a bunch of people that may have taken me years to meet otherwise. And like some of them I would not have met like John Elston and I, got really close in the first week or two. He was like one of my best friends. He let me borrow a shirt in the first day because I didn't get any clothes. I would have never hung out with John Elston outside of remote year. He's 30 years older than me, which I didn't even know until like week two. So like imagine, imagine me and Elston in a bar together. Like I'm not going to go up to that dude and hang out with him, right? Like it doesn't make any sense. So that to me, like being in that environment with those people, and this is a, this is a thing that I, I talked about with you in the summer is like that year long commitment breaks down so many barriers right off the bat, because you're like, we're going to be together for a year, I'm going to want to get to know you and make this thing work, because it's a year, it's a long time. And when you don't have that year long commitment, sometimes you're not as inclined to want to break down those barriers as, as quickly, at least.
0: Yeah, I mean, we were, I think, talking about that in the context of remote years now putting out some experimental like four month programs. And it's not the same, like burn your boats, we're doing this for a year, kind of like I'm all in. I
1: don't support it. <laughs> <I> don't.
0: <laughs> yeah. But in some sense though, it makes it more accessible to people who wouldn't have done it otherwise. So it's like, I, I, there's gotta be, I mean, if it's a gateway drug to get them to try it to them to go do it for a full year, then I support it. But uh, yeah. I tend to agree with you. It's just a different, it's a different ball game.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So that was, uh, cause we were talking about high points, low points. I think we kind of shared the same low point. Your Yours was Valencia, right? Like,
1: uh, yeah, that was a really low point for me. That was probably the lowest point of my year. Um, and leading up to that, like the, probably the lowest point I felt in, in years, which is weird, because I think it was so low, at least relatively, because of how high I was going into it, you know, um, you experience like this. Like, this is one of the lessons I learned was balance, you experience these highs, and then you experience the lows in contrast to them. They feel Probably worse than they would in another environment and it's necessary it's just necessary to help you appreciate the highs I mean you cannot appreciate the highs without the lows and um, I had a really rough it probably seems like so melodramatic now that I'm like saying it back I I had a rough couple weeks in Valencia Um, I was going through some things personally I had just lost my grandfather the month before and wasn't able to get home to like be there for them and uh, and then like the election was happening and the election had happened and the same day that Trump was elected, I put out a video on YouTube that received so much. It was my first dose of internet hate and trolling that I've ever really experienced. Yeah. And I got so much hateful comments, which affected me for like 24 hours until I snapped out of it and was like, I'm stupid for feeling this way. But in that same day, I also fell off my skateboard riding home and shattered my camera screen, which is like my livelihood. And I had a shoot coming up that weekend in Paris to shoot Chancellor Rapper, who's like one of my favorite artists. And I was like, "All oh, this is hinging on this camera being in working condition." And here I am with Trump as our president. My camera is broken. <laughs> My grandfather's dead. I'm fucking miserable. And yeah. I, remember, I remember, I wasn't the only one in in that time feeling that way because we had we made like a Slack channel called uh, "I Need a Hug" or something like that. Yeah. And I remember seeing that come up and being like, "Wow, I feel like I need this right now." And I like messaged the channel. I was like, "Guys, I think I need a hug." And yeah. like. I, I think a couple hours later I was just wandering around the city with uh Jess Demarie, just like talking and feeling like we both to <laughs> just like wallow for a little while. But doing it with her felt way better than doing it alone, you know, and it, it definitely helped me get out of it uh much quicker. And uh yeah.
0: Well, I think also what I remember, and I think this affected you too, is like we had made friends with like Muslim people in Morocco and all of a sudden there's immediately this travel ban and it's like they're demonized and like all of a sudden, like all these people we'd become friends with, how do you, what do you say to them? You're like.
1: And that was the huge, that was like with the election happening, I was, I was not convinced that Trump was going to win the election and I, which is why I didn't vote, which is in hindsight, a stupid thing to do. Um, but, having just made so many friends in Morocco uh, and have that happen literally after we left, it was heartbreaking and i didn 't know how to handle it and i didn't i didn 't anticipate having to deal with it, which is what made it even worse and And we were back in Europe, which made it feel even even worse to me in some ways um, yeah, and on top of that, I found out like a, a few people close to me may have voted for Trump and supported the that campaign and like that was kind of a, a that kind of blew my mind in in a lot of ways. There was a lot of things that just didn't make any sense. Like there was a period in in a week in November where nothing made sense to me. And I was like, I just don't understand what's happening.
0: (laughs) Well, and we were roommates at that time. And
1: yeah, it was just a very, very odd situation. It was definitely a weird, weird month. And, uh, but then like towards the end of the month, we had Thanksgiving dinner with everyone and that was amazing. Like that was an awesome experience. I, I remember feeling like, you know, I had just gotten back from Paris and I love being there with you guys in that room, celebrating an American holiday with a bunch of people who weren't even American. And like, it just, it felt incredible. It felt like I would never get this experience otherwise. And this is such a wonderful piece of my life that I'm going to hang on to. And I like still, I have that video of Houston's rap, his Turkey rap. Like I have the whole thing. Like it's such a great, a great memory.
0: So good. I'll include that at the end here for anyone who wants his Turkey. You <laughs> <one. laughs> probably ask <asking> him first. <laughs> <laughs> no, he'll be famous. He'll he'll hit it big, and he'll thank us. Um, I want to read. So I'd, I'd asked you a pre-interview question, like, what were the specific challenges after remote year that you experienced in like trying to reintegrate, you know, back in Jersey and whatnot? Uh, you said feeling comfortable in one place for extended periods of time, feeling like I've peaked, and the rest is all downhill. I've struggled with desensitization, which has become apparent to me while traveling with my younger sister. Um, talk to me about that.
1: That is a the, like. The biggest thing I'm struggling with currently is, again, cynicism that I've, uh, I've picked up. So I've gone kind of in the opposite direction where uh, I hate the word digital nomad. I don't like a lot of the stigmas around the culture. There's things about the lifestyle that bother me. And I also got really tired of constantly meeting people, which is something I never thought I would have said. Um, I, at one point, I got so exhausted from moving around that I just wanted to stay in one place and have a routine. And it was really hard to do that with new groups of people coming into Lisbon every day. And I did not participate in community things as much as I, I had in the past. And I turned into this version of myself that I didn't, uh, I didn't see coming. And it, it just, I, I was like a grumpy old man. And I think that's just because you get, they got oversaturated. And it, it, I think also I got, uh, I don't know, I was just fatigued. You know, I just felt like too, it was too much um and on top of that i didn't have my community i didn't have my my people around me that i could just turn to and be like guys this is like what i'm feeling Uh, i know you're probably going through the same things because the people around me at that time now were not going through the same things i was i was with a lot of fresh people um like my sister this is her her first experience into this and like being with her in lisbon and getting to experience lisbon for the first time through her it was like, wow, my views on things have changed so much because of how, how long I've been here or how much I've been doing this. And like, I, sound like, I sound like a grumpy old man and I don't know why that's happened. So that's, that's tough. I'm trying to be more conscious of that and trying to step back from that and be more open-minded and not sound like a cynical traveler uh, or a pessimistic. I'm not pessimistic at all. I just like, I am not as eager to do things or experience
0: things as I used to be. Well, I think, like, I find myself experiencing this where it's like uh, you anchor, like, you, you, the bar gets set to wherever you were last. And so it's like when we first got to Lisbon, it's like, holy crap, this is incredible, amazing. But as you become accustomed to it, you do, it's hard to see it with, like, fresh eyes again and reset to that same level and constantly be appreciative of what is around you. Um, yeah.
1: And I was, I was writing about this, in my, and like, I'm trying to write a, a piece about this. Because I think taking things for granted is a really weird thing, right? It's like such an, a weird thing to have appreciation for something and then to lose it because you become desensitized. And how important it is to not lose the curiosity and not lose that those fresh eyes because that is what helps you appreciate things. And I think it, at some point it becomes, it has to be a conscious effort. You have to be looking for it. It doesn't just happen easy. And that's I'm starting to come to terms with that and I'm starting to do things on a daily basis that help me maintain my appreciation for things, whether that's going out and doing a new, uh, walking down a new street and trying to experience a new part of the city that I've never been in, or just saying hi to someone that I've never met before to try to like, listen to them and understand their story. Like those things become harder the more you do them um, or the, it become harder to want to do the more you do them. And I don't want to lose that. I know deep down that's part of my values and I don't want to lose that as hard as it may become because so many good things have come from that for me.
0: Um, I know you mentioned meditation is that, uh, I mean, personally I've found that actually super useful. I do the headspace stuff. Um, and in terms of like resetting and like clearing your head and like shaking off a funk, like I've found that invaluable. Uh, yeah. In terms of yeah. Habit.
1: And I don't want to make it sound like i I'm like, a te- like I'm terrible at meditation. I'm actually like, my head is so clouded and so busy at all times that it's very hard for me to meditate. So the, what I really do is, The the most important thing i found for myself in the last few months is putting my phone on airplane mode at night, waking up with no notifications. That's like the vital piece of this is like there are no notifications when I'm turning my alarm off that I'm like distracted by and immediately pulled into. Um, So then I get like my the pace of my day starts off much slower. And what I'll do is I'll put on a guided meditation video for like 10, 15 minutes. And just kind of like wake up with that rather than jumping into my inbox and trying to answer things or messages on Slack and all that stuff. Because it's very fast paced and it's very like in your face. And I don't I don't like starting out my day that way. And it, it leads to me feeling like I crash in the middle of the day much harder than if I kind of ease into it. And I also handle clients and, and decisions much better if I ease into my day. And I've found that that's something I never did before. That's something I just started doing in the last like four or five months. So... Um, yeah. That is very important to me now. And I, in the last few days, I've been so like in the weeds with this one big project that I haven't done any, any of those things and it's starting to take a toll on me and I need to get back to it.
0: Yeah, I can definitely, like when I don't start the day that way for a while, uh, after a few days, it just, I, I I'm like, what's wrong? Why am I? out of sorts and then like usually and it's like oh yeah like because i've been getting pulled into stuff and like the day is driving me instead of me driving the day basically
1: it's one of the easiest things to sacrifice right off the bat when you're in the middle of something more important but one of the like the the most important things there is to not feel like that you know to not feel like you need to sacrifice it. it's such a weird thing you you need it and uh, and if you don't have it you you know it's easy to forget that you need it
0: yeah Uh, All right. Well, just a handful more questions here. So if you could go back and tell yourself, like if you had a time machine to go back to, you know, on that plane ride to Prague, and you could tell yourself something before remote year started to help you get more out of it, what would you tell your former self?
1: I think the the thing that is going to maybe surprise you and doesn't really make a lot of sense on the surface is to collaborate more. I I mean, I did a lot of collaboration, but it took me some time to get to that point. So, if I could have jumped right into it, and it may, I may come have come off as a crazy person, landing and probably being like, "Let's work on these things together." Um, but I think collaborate more, and then also, I have like in terms of social and professional balance, like I'm way more on the work side and less on the play side, and I probably could have benefited a little bit more from being out with you guys and traveling and and, and experiencing the social life aspect of it. So maybe do that a little bit more.
0: Yeah. I mean, there's just not enough hours in the day though. At some point something's going to give And
1: Yeah. Yeah. It was, I, I got really good at saying no to social things and to a point where it was scary how little it affected me. Like people were giving me shit for not doing things with them and it didn't even bother me at all. And I was like, this is a good thing. Yeah. But then to a certain extent, it's a good thing. You need to still get your, your dose of, like, social um, experiences with the people that you're traveling with. And, like, you're in these cities. Why are you in these cities? You could be doing this. The, work you're, the amount of work you're doing, you could be doing from anywhere. Why, you're doing it from here so you can experience these places, but you're not really getting that much experience in these places because you're so caught up in your work.
0: Yeah, but if it took, like the irony is, if it took being in those incredible places to get you that focus to then want to do that work, then that's what it took, you know? And, yeah,
1: I and know it is. It's like, a, it's like this this weird scale, like it, taking advantage of it um, and experiencing it. I don't know. I mean, I'm still, I, I think I'll always be kind of, it's a fluid thing, you know? I'll always be trying to figure out where, where it fits best. I'm actually, so my last official day at Chopped is June 21st, and then I'll be going to Norway and going off the grid for about a week. And then I'll be going to probably Bali and taking the for the first time in like nine years, taking a break from all work, all work related things and just focusing on being in a routine and living and maybe writing. And it's going to be an interesting experience for me, for sure. And I think this will be the first test of um, <laughs> not being in, in, in just entrenched in work.
0: Yeah, well, I'm very curious how that goes. Um, I'm I can't remember the last time I, I, took, like, I said about it. yeah. I, I know, know. It, you. I, well, you and I are the same in that way. I feel like it's like we've always got six thousand things on our plate, and so uh, yeah, I'm very curious how that goes. I definitely. Yeah, I,
1: I think I, I'm like almost positive when I land in Bali and get situated in that huge community over there it's going to be like collaborations and, and things that i'm making right off the bat and i don't have any doubts but i do want to take some time to do nothing which is weird for me
0: yeah i like that idea though of not setting out to f- push one thing that you have in mind now but right like create the void or a vacuum that will then you know once you truly unplug and unwire and just like write and be that stuff will like eventually flow back into that space. But you, it's because you've created that vacuum at that point, not because you're pushing something that you want to do, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I hope that this whole like, uh, cause I'm, I'm two, like two years, two and a half years into this now. I hope that like, this isn't information that, uh, scares people away from wanting to do this or experience this. Or like, I hope it's still valuable information because like at a certain point, this could be, I don't know exactly what your audience is, but at a certain point, this is like a realistic um, position to be in because I'm not forcing anything.
0: Yeah. I mean, I honestly, this is that you're the third guest, so I don't know who my audience is yet either, but uh, I I hope that it's people who are entertaining this. It's, you know, people that were like us two years ago, that were on the fence thinking, can I do this? What's it going to be like? And I mean, my goal with this podcast is really just to, like, show it like it is. It's not all roses, but it's incredible. And, yeah. you know, we encourage it. I think both of us. Yeah. Encourage I, it. I, think
1: I wanted to mention another lesson that I learned. Uh, it's funny because I learned this lesson in two different ways. Um, there, When I was traveling consistently with Remote Ear, I was really, really bad at staying in touch with the people that were back here in the States, where life for me was moving at 2000 miles an hour where it's like 20 miles an hour here in new jersey and um where i was so caught up in the day-to-day and so busy and so distracted where there wasn't enough hours to even sleep um back here it was like all that people were really doing was thinking about how i was doing and and like life moves so so much slower it's like so much time to focus on those things and by not taking the time out of my really busy schedule to just say hi, I, I was doing a really bad job of being um, considerate of their, their feelings and the, life that, the lives that go on when you leave. And now things have turned where I'm here in New Jersey, my sister and my girlfriend are both out experiencing their remote lifestyles away from me. And I'm here kind of just like, hey, guys how's it going? <laughs> so I'm on the opposite end of it now. I'm like, wow, I would really appreciate just a message to be like, Hey, things are great. Uh, talk to you soon or something like that. Where it's just like, I get it. I get it from both sides and it sucks from both sides. Yeah. Yeah. That's something to be aware of when you're traveling for the first time is just try to make a conscious effort to, to stay in touch with people that you leave behind.
0: You did the, what I thought was the, one of the coolest things I've ever seen. I don't know if you got it having seen it elsewhere, but uh, for the people watching, Eddie went back home and was FaceTiming <laughs> with what, with, you, with your parents or your dad? and
1: the, oh, My mom and my sister and my dad, they were all upstairs, yeah.
0: Yeah, and so he's in the basement FaceTiming with them as if he's still on remote year and then like walks up and they just uh, about had a heart attack. <laughs>
1: They thought I was in London until the very moment when I was in the kitchen. It was awesome, but that's exactly my point. Though is like they that was only three months into me traveling on a remote year. That was only three months into me being away from them, and that's how they felt after three months. It's like they were like, "Holy shit!" Like this, he's in our kitchen. Like this is amazing. They were so excited in like only three months. So it goes to show you how important it is to stay in touch and how much people probably miss you.
0: Yeah, my uh, my parents are coming in four days, so this will be. First time I've seen them in a while.
1: <laughs> have they been to Lisbon before?
0: Uh, they have not. Yeah. Oh,
1: that's going to be awesome. That's yeah. How do you feel about that? Like, like now that you're settling into Lisbon, all these expectations are on you to kind of show your city to them, right? Because if this if you consider it your city, like when my mom came in March and Jenna came, it, there was a lot of pressure on me to like deliver for the city. And I didn't feel like it was my responsibility because it kind of just did that for me. Um, but uh, do you feel obligated to...
0: Yeah, you want to give. I mean, because... People are like, okay, you move there, you love it. Like, what? What do you love about it? Show us what you love. And so, yeah, there is a little pressure.
1: That you love though aren't that exciting from a vacationing standpoint. Like, the things right. that I love about Lisbon are not going to be exciting to someone who's there for a week. You know what I mean? Like, right. I, love that I can go to this cafe every day and work from it, and it's like these people know my name, and like, I love that I can go to this workspace that's right down the road, or I, I can take a run down this like bike path or something. Like, that's not a reason to vacation, but. <laughs> You know i don't know it does have a lot to offer it's not hard for you to curate a a great experience for someone just like
0: yeah but i find like you're right you're 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 manufacturing some neat tourist attractions but that's not the real reason like why i moved here like i moved here because it's the happiest i've been of any city that i've ever lived in like yeah that's literally it
1: my friend my friend steve uh he was like he messaged me he was like are you still in lisbon And i was like no but um I was just there, and I, you know, it's one of my favorite cities in the world. And he was like, okay, well, my girlfriend and I are taking a trip to Spain, and we were wondering if it makes sense to pop over to Lisbon, uh, to Portugal for, like, a week. And I was like, if it's a week, then don't do it. And he was like, what? He wasn't expecting that. I was like, well, I don't think you can experience it in a week. And then I was like, pause, Eddie, step back, because not everyone's going to get to spend a month there,
2: and you want them
0: to see it. If you can't do a year of traveling the world, don't even just – don't even go to vacation. <laughs> so
1: that's, I realized I was being that way, and I was like uh, – I'll give you a list of cool things to do if you want to go to try to hit all the most popular things in, in like a short period of time. Yeah. But I, felt, I felt like, you know, you need like a month there. You need not, not even you need three months there. You
0: need, I don't know. I've, I've been here five months total and I'm still like, I feel like I've scratched the surface. So. Yeah.
1: There's so much, that's such a big city. There's so much to do. There's so many, so many things that you can experience that you wouldn't be able to otherwise. And it's, it sucks to say like, I only have a weekend or only have a week because you're, you're not going to get. And that to me, that's where I feel responsible, right? It's like, okay, you go there for a week and you don't get to experience the things that I think make it great. Then you have this bad taste in your mouth around the city that I love. And I don't want you to have that experience. That's why I told him right off the bat, I was like, don't go because you're not going to like it the way I love it. And it's not going to make any sense to you. And you're going to feel some type of way about it. I don't want you to feel that way. But then I was like, all right, let me step back and like let you experience things for yourself.
0: <laughs> Are you, so I know at one point you had talked about relocating here and that's maybe taking kind of a backseat for now, or is that uh, still like down the road or is that, where does that stand?
1: I think that's definitely still in my future. I just financially right now with leaving the agency, like I don't, I don't really have a lot saved. So it's not realistic for me to want to move to Lisbon right now. And the, one of the reasons I'm going to Bali is because I can just stretch my runway as long as possible. It's just cheaper to live there. Um, and I have a lot of things that I want to do a lot of things that I want to make right now that are not going to pay me. So yeah, the longer I can do that, the, the more I can make.
0: Dude, um, I, I have the utmost respect of people that make the hard decision and then live like you're crafting your lifestyle to facilitate being able to do your art, which I think is like super dedication. And I have,
1: it's it it is definitely a a big decision and it's a hard decision to make and i think like i think everybody gets to that point in their careers where they've done what they've done for so long and they've gotten to a they've reached that ceiling or they plateaued and they need to do the next thing and the only way in my mind to break that plateau is to do something drastic and 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 to do to do the things that take me in the direction that I wanna go in, it requires me to, to make the hard decisions. And uh, I'm really relying on like, just the intuition, my intuition, and hoping it's the right direction. Yeah. I mean, there's a chance that it's not. That, but there's only one way to find out, right?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, so last, just a couple of tactical, very like tactical questions. Um, what was the name of that uh, habit-forming app that you guys use, you and Lawrence?
1: Yeah, we use an app called Habit Share, which is really easy. The reason we love it is because um, it's just—it's basically binary. Like you set a goal, and it's you did it or you did not do it, and uh, then you just share it with your people. So I, Lawrence is my accountability buddy. He checks in, and if I don't do something, I mark it not done. He'll be like, "What's going on? Like, why do you need to reevaluate these goals?" Like we've done that a couple times where I've had a goal set and I didn't deliver on it any days. And it's like, do you even really want this? Like, yeah. do you want to focus your energy on something else? And we've, we've done that. We've had that conversation. So yeah, habit share. It's one word. Got it. Um, there's other ones too that I would I would uh, look into that are very similar, um, but depends on what kind of functionality you really need.
0: Okay. I'll maybe get those links from you and I'll include yeah. them in the notes. Any other like mobile apps that you found that made your life on the road easier? Ooh,
1: um, I cannot speak highly enough of, this is a recent one. Of the Anco app for freelancers, like fantastic for managing clients, proposals, contracts, um, and it's free now. Um, so it's it was acquired by Fiverr and it's free. Um, cool. Absolutely, Anco. Um, what else? Uh, I don't. I don't like, Kindle. I, is that like, my the apps that I use? Like I don't. I'm not really dependent on my phone um, and the apps on them. I do think that Habit Share is great. Um, zoom is awesome um yeah that's, that's really it though okay i think project five if you're not on project five and you're traveling consistently i would definitely recommend project five
0: got it that's the google yeah google. google's carrier got it uh what about are there anything that you read on a regular basis like podcasts or blogs or news sites
1: Right now, I'm just doing a ton of reading on story and storytelling, so not not specific to traveling um, or business or entrepreneurship or anything like that, and I'm kind of getting away from that space in a lot of ways because it's been my life for so long, and I want to focus all my energy on just storytelling, um, so that's where I am right now. I'm reading this book called The Anatomy of Story if you're interested in storytelling, and it's a fantastic read about just like how to develop a, a really strong narrative and how to, how to write characters that are uh, realistic and I love it so far. Um, other than that, like there's, you know, I, I've actually, so I'm not a huge reader to begin with. Like I've never read the four hour work week and I feel like that's constantly being discussed around me. And it's just one of those things that I just never cared to read about. But um, I think, uh, yeah, no, nothing, nothing on my reading list that I would really want to share. What about uh, best
0: travel hack? You put, I think, uh, I definitely, you put like, ask for the two drinks on the plane. It's got a hundred yeah, yeah. percent success rate.
1: <laughs> I've never not gotten two drinks because I feel like even if it's not part of their policy, they feel like they're letting me down. If they don't, it's funny. There's a, there's this kid, um, who was flying from Bogota to Sao Paulo and this kid is his first flight ever in his life. Yeah. And he thought like this woman comes around with the cart and she's like, do you want a drink? And he was like, no, 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 because he thought he was gonna have to pay for it. And I was like, yeah, I'll have a uh, wine and a sprite and a water. <laughs> and she gives me all three. And he was like, how much is that? And I was like, dude, it's free. He's like, so then I taught him. I was like, I was like, ask for two drinks. He asked for two glasses of wine, right? Yeah. And he gets both of the glasses and he gives one to me. So now I have four drinks.
0: <laughs> it was awesome. Doing spreading the good, good, good hacks all over, man. um last question what what about gear is there any piece of gear you can't live without and if not i know you answered no in your survey but like what's your setup what's your camera setup your
1: okay for for my camera i try to keep things as lean as possible because i only travel with a backpack and a carry on most of my stuff is camera gear i think the gimbal is one of those things for travel videos that's really important because it really makes the footage usable like if you're walking around with your camera and trying to get cinematic stuff it just doesn't work um having a zoom lens that lets in some like a good amount of light is important. So like my 24 to 70 gives me the flexibility of getting wide shots and getting tight shots, uh, outside of camera gear, I would say having a backup phone in case your phone is stolen or broken. Really important. Um, maybe getting a dual SIM card phone, SIM card phone, even if you can, or if you're not on fire, like you can have the local SIM and your regular SIM or whatever.
2: What else do I usually bring with me? If you can get
1: a hotspot, that's really cool to have that around. I've got my, uh, I've got a data SIM only for my iPad so I can use that. And yeah, that's pretty, like I didn't, I, when you, the are questioning your survey, I didn't really know how to answer. Cause I don't have like one item that I definitely always need with me. And honestly, I feel like people bring things that are unnecessary and swear that they need them. And like when I, when we first started traveling, because if we weren't guaranteed kitchens, I traveled for the first five months of remote year with a mini griddle in my bag. <laughs> <laughs> an electric griddle. Dude, I swear to you, at the end of every month, I would find out wherever I stored this thing, put it back in my bag, and I would be like, this will be necessary next month. And then finally I got to Morocco and I was like, I've had a kitchen every month and there's never like any shortage of kitchen space, so I just left it behind.
0: <laughs> Is it a grill like meaning like a George Foreman type grill, yeah. like little... not like
1: a folding, like a flat one that has, like, it was like one pound maybe, but it fit really nicely in my bag. But it was so unnecessary. Like I never used it once.
0: You didn't so cook one like, like, one kind of griddle be... in
1: an apartment in Morocco somewhere. <laughs>
0: Uh, I still think like Montre's Vitamix takes the cake in terms of like the largest single item that so.
1: I've never experienced that in my life. And since like I've never experienced someone he paid like the amount of money he paid to check that bag every every month was insane.
0: Yeah,
2: that and he brought
1: the transformer with the,
0: him. Gi- the transformer was like this giant brick that he got questioned about it with by TSA like repeatedly. <laughs> it's this like thirty pound brick. Montre, oh man!
1: I mean, but people took advantage of it for. For the most part,
0: yeah. I so lived with them, in yeah, we we, we smoothed it up in Morocco for sure. Do you still
1: travel with the TRX. Uh,
0: I do, yeah.
1: I think that's a good purchase. I I actually bought like some resistance bands, and I brought them with me in the first month. Oh no, actually, I left them behind before we left because I just I was like, I'll just do body weight stuff, and there will be gyms, so I won't bring the resistance bands because I was on a very like limited space. But it wasn't until month. Month seven or month six or seven, where I left behind my uh, my check bag. I no longer carried a check bag. And I think that's like, I don't need a check bag anymore. I haven't needed one for a while.
0: Yeah. I think I'll get there. I'm still like, I was two check bags to start, then a, just the well, one. I mean, or- your
1: clothes are, are bigger than mine to begin with. Like, it also depends on where you're going. Like, if you're going somewhere cold, you're going to need heavier clothing. And, and like, I've, for the, tra- the time that we traveled on a remote year and a year after, I traveled basically chasing summer. So I needed anything other than t-shirts and I had like one pair of jeans that I wear every day because that's just my, that's what I do. I don't know.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well what about just any last thoughts for someone who's thinking about doing remote year or something like it? Like, what do you, what do you say to that person who's in you? Like, you know, where you were at two years ago?
1: Um, I usually just say do it. Um, But I, I want, I want to say like do it and, and document it because you're going to see, a lot of growth happen in the time that you do it and you're going to want the documentation, whether it's a daily journal or weekly journal, a blog, uh, just recording your phone calls to family members, you're going to see a lot of things change and it's easier to look back. Like it's easier to, to appreciate when you have some form of documentation and, and some way to, to compare and contrast the way you were before.
0: Yeah. I actually, uh, so the the course that I ended up making, the Nomad Prep course, I actually devoted a whole day to what I just called memories preservation. And it sounded silly, like memories oh. preservation, just take photos. But yeah. yeah, there's like strategies around journaling and like tracking your activities and all that stuff. Like you want to know how you progressed and what what you were like.
1: Yeah. And I actually want to say to Nomad Prep, I like so Jenna, my little sister, she's just getting into this now. Like she's traveling for the first time alone in Peru for a month. And before sending her off, I made her take the course. I made her do it, and like a lot of great content on there. And she really appreciated the uh, just being exposed to things, even even if like the information didn't pertain to her. Just being exposed to those elements of the lifestyle are really important. And I think the course content you've done a really awesome job of just curating the most essential stuff and then some.
0: Awesome. yeah. Yeah, cool, man. Well, how do people that are watching like if they wanted to get in touch with you or like subscribe to your videos? Like what's the best? Where do you send people at this point?
1: Uh, Right now, I would say just check out my YouTube channel. It's not there hasn't been any activity on it for a long time, but that is about to change. Um, YouTube is probably gonna be the platform I stick with. And then eventually, once I start building up a little bit of an audience and and like uh, some supporters, I'm going to start a Patreon account or I'm going to crowdfund a short film. So that's that's a big thing coming up, which I haven't really talked much about, but I have this script that I'm working on and I have a team around me that wants to help me make it. So I just need the funds to do it. And I think within the remote year community and within the other people that I've interacted with, I have enough of a support system that I can make it happen. But YouTube for now. Awesome. YouTube.com slash Eddie Contento.
0: All right, good deal. Eddie, yeah. thank you so much for being on. Uh, I will put all the links in the show notes here uh, and... Yeah, man, safe safe trip to Bali. Good luck on unplugging, and uh, can't wait to see what you come up with on the art. Thanks, man.
1: It's been a pleasure, and I'm sure I'll see you in September. I'll be coming around to to Lisbon. So, cool, man. Good talking to you.
0: All right, be well, brother. All right, that was my interview with Eddie. Uh, hope you found it useful. If you have a question for Eddie, you can leave a comment underneath this video. Um, You can also now leave a video question. So you can use your webcam, uh, ask anything up to a minute long in video. It makes it super easy to submit that. And then we take the best of those questions, round them up, and we're going to do a follow-up episode with Eddie. Um, If you're considering doing Remote Year or one of the other travel programs like it, uh, you can get up to $300 off select programs by just applying through our referral link. Uh, So that link can be found in the footer. Uh, It's also, you can just go to nomadpodcast.com slash discounts uh, and then complete that referral form. And note, if you do apply directly to these programs, it does make you ineligible for that discount. So you'll want to be sure to use our referral form. Nomad Podcast is supported in part by Nomad Prep, an online academy that teaches you everything you need to know to take your job on the road and crush it abroad. Uh, And you heard Eddie mention Nomad Prep in that. Last part there. Uh, his sister just went through it and she has found a ton of value from it. So enroll today nomadprep.com/slash/podcast and you get your first four days of training totally free. Nomad Prep. Take your job on the road and take on the world. Uh, now we have a couple solid guests lined up. I don't know who's going to be next at this point. Um, there's a, one guy in particular, a, a good friend of mine. He actually founded uh, Startup Weekend, and he has since written a book called This Book Is About Travel. Uh, and so he will be hopefully the next guest. I'm not sure if he's going to be next or if someone else will be, uh, but definitely stay tuned. I want to be able to tell you when our new episodes are coming out. So if you haven't already done this, uh, be sure to add your email at the bottom of uh, the website in the footer there. Uh, just enter your email and I will keep you posted as new episodes are released. Uh, you can also subscribe via the various, uh, channels, uh, the d- different syndication channels and that link is in the header. All right, so until next time, it's a big world out there. Get out there and explore it. I'll see you on the road. No man. No man.